Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the New York Yankees, sweeping them for the second consecutive series in a row. Three games to nothing. They are 6-0 and against the Yankees on the season, and they have retaken the lead in the American League East. The second bit place, Tampa Bay Rays, are now just half a game behind Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm good. It's uh, it still feels so good to sweep the Yankees, even though that team blows this year. Man, do they blow! Oh my God, they can't hit for crap. But it still feels good. It feels so good sweeping the Yankees. And as an added bonus, Tampa lost, and we're back in first place. Can't go wrong with that. Absolutely, and we swept them the last time, and we had Garrett Cole in this series, so we're thinking that's. A probable loss if, if we're not being homers, and uh, we'll get into it. But he couldn't uh, do anything to stop our momentum, and uh, it feels really good. And and don't don't feel bad about them sucking because we had to wear it last year when we were oh, yeah. when we were bad. So uh, I'm I'm happy to see this. I, I think the the Yankees. At least for the rest of the Cashman era, whether that's a few months or a few years, they're basically going to be the angels of the East Coast. (laughs) That's a fair comp. Yeah, I mean, they're going to keep adding talent every year. They're going to overpay for some stupid player that they don't really need. And they'll compete. They'll hang around. But are they a World Series favorite? No. And, And I was wrong about that. I... Prior to this season, I thought, yeah, absolutely. The Yankees with, you know, that roster and everything, they should be. But you have to look at that manager. You have to look at Aaron Boone and just go, jeez, you've got a good roster. You've got a pretty decent rotation. Granted, it's not great, but it's pretty good. And you're like, you're failing this badly? Holy crap. Like, they are. They're, they're kind of the angels. It's, it's, it's a joke. Yeah. I mean... DJ LeMahieu was their big signing this offseason. Did that help them last year when they still got beat by Tampa? <laughs> like yeah. what what problems did they solve by bringing him back? None. Should have <laughs> should have just spent it on pitching, but um but be that as it may, Charlie Smith missing in action this episode, so it'll just be Jason and I. I did try to uh, get a couple people on, but you can only uh, be so successful with literally 30 seconds notice. Uh, So the two of us will uh, hold down the fort for this episode. Uh, Three games set Friday night. The Red Sox won that one 5-3. Very intense all the way through. Same could be said for Saturday with the 4-2 to two win. And then today, the Red Sox essentially cruised to a 9-2 to two win. Game was uh, relatively close uh, in the middle innings, but uh, a sweep nonetheless. So we will get into studs and duds. Jason, who's your stud? My stud is a guy who I've been very hard on this year, and... 
I was hoping that uh, he would turn it around soon, and he did today. That's Eduardo Rodriguez. I thought he pitched really well today. Six innings, 96 pitches, which is pretty efficient for him. That's always been a concern with Erod, right, is the efficiency. Is he getting through six innings with under 100 pitches, or is he doing it laboring through over 100 up to 110? Today, he was cruising. He looked good. The velocity looked good. He was using all his pitches, too, which was really encouraging, especially given everything that's going on with the spider tack, the the substances, pitchers getting checked all the time. You know, he was a guy you worry about because he's coming back from, you know, COVID and the myocarditis. Like, you know, we don't know how healthy he really is. And I could see him being a guy that goes, look, I need to use every advantage I can get to make sure that I can pitch well. And so far, I mean, look, this is it. This is a period of time where they're cracking down. They're checking every pitcher. And if you're using this stuff, we saw it in Seattle. You're going to get ejected. What was it? Hector Santiago got ejected today. So, you know, Erod knows he can't use this stuff, and he looked great today. He made one mistake to Aaron Judge. That's it. That was his only blemish on the day. He made a mistake to my pick for MVP. I'm going to keep mentioning that. Sorry. <laughs> and you can all get all pissed off as much as you want. But he made one mistake to a potential MVP candidate. Otherwise, he was great. I mean, at six innings, eight Ks, he didn't walk anybody. And again, he was efficient, 96 pitches through six innings. And he looked good. This is what the Red Sox need. They need these guys, especially with everything that's going on. They need the Eduardo Rodriguez's. They need the Nick Bavetta's, the Nathan Avaldi's to keep doing what they've been doing this year because this Red Sox pitching staff has been better than we expected. And a lot of people, rightfully so in some cases, as soon as all this stuff came out, it said, oh, well, there you go. That's going to be the caveat. The Red Sox have been pitching above their pay grade, above what they should be. Now it's all you know, going to come back down and it's going to regress to the mean and they're going to suck now. Nope, not the case. Rodriguez went out there today and showed you that, nope, I can be just as good. I'm still a good pitcher. I'm still the top guy in this rotation. And he went out there, he beat the Yankees, he solidified the sweep, and – that's great. That That's exactly what the Red Sox need. Yeah, and I felt pretty confident that this would be a competitive game with Rodriguez versus Cole. I didn't think it would necessarily be a win by any means, but Erod shows up in, in big games, and he he's kind of – he had been turning the tide since that rough stretch. He didn't have a, a signature outing like this one since then and it's just it's just crazy how he has their number and he did pitch well against the Yankees in his in the last series 2 3 weeks ago and that start kind of came out of nowhere cuz he had no momentum in that one and and he did have some momentum here today and it was just it was fun to watch him just maneuver around that lineup. And it's the first time, according to Alex Spear, since 2019 that he's had five scoreless innings. So he did it today against the Yankees. The only tragedy of it all was he did come out for the, the start of the seventh inning and allowed that two-run shot to... Uh, judge and the only reason I say it's tragic was because his ERA probably would be significantly lower had he not been charged with those two runs. But he probably did do so much damage though throughout the month of uh, May and and into early June that his numbers aren't going to be shiny anyway <laughs> by the end of the year. Let's face it. Yeah, he still ended the day with like an ERA five and a half. So. You know, he, he did a lot of damage, as he said. He has a long way to go before that ERA is going to look at least somewhat presentable. But uh, today was a good step forward, for sure. Yeah, it was fun to watch, and he seemed very at ease. And a big topic when he was struggling was somebody's going to lose their job to sale, and, and could it be Rodriguez? He was that bad. He was a, an automatic loss every time out. 
So he's starting to make that question a lot tougher now because suddenly he might not be the guy that loses his job. So I I liked what I saw. My stud for the series, I'm going with Adam Ottavino, and there was some good offensive performances, which we'll get into in uh, honorable mentions here in a minute. But I was really impressed with with his his late inning work in game one. He held them uh, scoreless in the one inning he pitched. He struck out two. And that was kind of tough because Perez only went three and two-thirds. We'll kind of get into why. I don't think that was entirely his fault necessarily. But but the bullpen was leaned on very heavily there. And he uh, came in in the normal setup role. And they had a very narrow lead of uh, five to three. It might have even been four to three. Renfro, I forget which inning it was a late inning and he uh, tacked on an extra insurance run. But, but game two was where I was really impressed. Evoldi came into the seventh, got two outs. They brought in Salamora, which I'm thinking, okay, good move. He, uh, he looked very good the night before his splitter was electric and he just didn't have it. And he, he walked the bases loaded. And so Cora's like, all right, well, he's faced his three batters. We'll go in. We'll get Ottavino. Luke Voigt at the plate. He got a quick ground out. And I was kind of wondering if if he was going to keep Ottavino in for the ninth since he was all warmed up or if he would go to Barnes. And he went with Ottavino. And Ottavino, it was a bit of a grind. He did give up a run. Well, he started off, he got a fly out right away and then a single to Torres and then... um. Rugnet Odor uh, grounded into a fielder's choice. Gardner walked, and then, of course, LeMahieu, one of their top hitters outside of Judge, uh, was able to single and also drive in Odor. So so Ottavino did give up a run there and uh, then got the final out, which was a strikeout to end the game against Aaron Judge himself. So... That's a lineup where they're gonna, it's gonna be stressful. And he's just able to pitch through it. And there's been a stat, I don't have it in front of me, but it's been quite a while since he's given up an inherited runner. Like he can come in with, with runners on. It doesn't matter how stressful the situation is. I just don't think there's a better setup guy right now in baseball, or at least one that I would want more based on what I've seen. If he didn't have a good April Ottavino, so maybe maybe someone else might have been consistent all the way through. I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but um but Ottavino's been as good as anyone the last several weeks and for a guy we did not expect to get, which came out of nowhere, literally on a random winter morning, suddenly we have Adam Ottavino. I just couldn't be more thrilled. I agree. And between him and Whitlock, it's like, it's a classic case of, hey, thanks for just giving us these guys. <laughs> yeah. who, for some reason, you guys didn't want. I, I don't know. And granted, Ottavino at times early this year, the Yankee fans are probably laughing at us going, ha. This is why we got rid of him. See, he sucks. But it's like, no, this is actually a good veteran pitcher who has been through so many different scenarios in his career. And like you said, he's good with inherited runners. And I just feel like the pressure doesn't get to him a whole lot. It's For, for him, it's more just if he doesn't have it, it's tough, right? It, especially with his delivery, his arm slot. If he doesn't have it, it's going to be a tough night for him. But when he has it, I feel like there's no situation where he's really phased. He just goes in there and he does what he has to do. He's been in the league for so long at this point. like, And he's been a closer. He's been a setup guy. He's been a middle relief guy. Like He's done it all. So he's a valuable guy to have. And honestly, he's looking more like a closer than Matt Barnes is these days. Like Matt Barnes is looking a little shaky now. Like, you know, Matt Barnes looked like Mariano Rivera the first month and a half of the season, then, oh, uh, funny, uh, there's some stuff going on with pitchers in Major League Baseball. And now Matt Barnes with his amazing 12-6 to curveball is not exactly looking amazing. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. 
Yeah, Barnes, I notice, has been uh, allowing uh, base runners, uh, whether it's via the hit or the walk, but has, suddenly the ninth inning's become a little bit more stressful for Barnes. He hasn't looked yeah. terrible, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. He did, uh, despite giving up two hits in Game One, uh, notch the save, uh, and, and again, what was only a two run game. So I mean, even today, the, we were up six to nothing, and then the Yankees. Uh, there was a two-run home run, and there was a couple of those middle innings where where I'm like, "Geez, this this game could go sideways." We we just won a couple of close ones, and we should take nothing for granted here. And uh, finally, we we tacked on some insurance runs later on and and cruised to the win, yeah. but. Uh, it's definitely a lineup that um, you still have to take seriously. Now, in a couple of days, if we get a four-run lead against the Royals, I'm supremely confident. <laughs> like, they don't <laughs> scare me at all. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter how bad anybody is on that Yankees roster. If it's a big game, they're dangerous. Because everybody tries to up their game when, when the Red Sox come to town. We saw Marwin Gonzalez do it in the previous series. Just had a killer series, and uh, th- this series uh, not so much. But um, but it's just that type of a thing. So uh, let's go ahead and get into some honorable mentions. Uh, Raphael Devers didn't really look spectacular the first couple games, but he did hit a uh, two run shot today off of Garrett Cole in the first inning to to give. Uh, Rodriguez a little bit of uh, run support right away. Kike Hernandez uh, also uh, led off the game. I think at the very first pitch hit one into the monster seats, but but Devers did things that Devers does and uh, extended the lead there. It was, I think, an 0-2 count. There were definitely two strikes and Devers launched one and uh, was three for four on the day. So good to see there. Yeah, absolutely. And and the timing of that was so important. Like you said, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez has been scuffling the last couple of starts. But the Red Sox offense, whether it be Devers, Hernandez, you know, the combination of those to come out and just get right to Garrett Cole right away and sort of give their starting pitchers some confidence, being like, hey, this guy's not invincible. We we can get to him. We we got him. So just go out there, do your thing. You know, we're gonna spot you a four run lead. Just go out there and get him. Yeah, that that was huge. Hunter Renfro also had a good series, continues to be extremely hot, probably having the best year of his career at this point, I, I think we could say. Uh, had kind of a wonky pitch line. He was uh, four for eight, and the reason why it was so wonky was because he uh, walked three times, which is nice to see because he yep. hasn't typically been a guy to do that. Um, just two strikeouts the whole series, too, which were both in game uh, two. So he continues to be impressive. He uh, he gunned down Gio Urshela, and I think we need to get partial credit to that, to the third base coach. I don't know if that's Phil Nevin again yet or not. <laughs> he was having uh, COVID problems. But um, but nonetheless, it, w- it was an easy out, and uh, Renfro got him at the plate. And then there was a shallow pop fly today that Stanton hit because they were all playing deep like you would with a guy like Stanton and he kind of hit one into into shallow right uh right on the line and Renfro made a nice catch and went into a somersault a backward somersault was kind of cool to see so helping us with the bat and uh defensively I just I was a hater and I just can't do it anymore (laughs) one of these times I'm going to be forced to pick him as a as a stud yeah, he's he's really proven, especially given his contract, the value that he gives you for one year at what three million. Yeah. I mean, he he was a late signing. Like he just was kind of a guy that he didn't do much with Tampa last year in the COVID season. And when he was all signed, I mean, we all kind of you know rightfully so we were like, okay, really, this is going to be our off season. We're just gonna you're just gonna sign a bunch of your Tampa rejects and you're just gonna bring him here, like. You know, we were. We were very critical. And um, Renfro has really turned into a valuable player on this team. I mean, the, the batting average is up towards 270 now. Like, he's taking walks. He's hitting for power. He's playing great defense, honestly. You know, and again, I know people 
get sick of me railing on it, but it's like he's been more valuable than Mookie Betts this season. He really has. Like he's, you know, the batting average is higher. The defense is just as good, if not better. He's thrown more guys out at the plate than Mookie has this year. Like, I don't know. I just he's been so good for his value. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I think part of the reason I hated it so much, the signing, was because it happened so early. It's not yeah. like he was a late winter signing and you're like, okay, we just need to round things out a bit, so we're signing Renfro. That was an early one, and we didn't really do much. And when Kike was signed, we were assuming that was an infield one, at least at first. And so I'm like, ah, I'm like, we just got rid of Bradley. Why, why are we going to punish ourselves <laughs> with another automatic out in the bottom third? And he's worked his way into being a, a bona fide middle of the order bat. Right? I'm so glad that you you mentioned Bradley because that's another guy. All these Red Sox fans are like, "Why didn't you just sign Bradley?" I don't understand. Like, it's like, do you not understand how much better Hunter Renfro is than Jackie Bradley? Like, it should be obvious at this point, but I know that like Jackie Bradley is one of these protected athletes in Boston that you know can't ever say anything bad about him because. He made a few diving catches that <clears throat> he didn't really have to dive for. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's been so much better. It's like, what an upgrade. Yeah, Bradley right now is having a bad year. I think his numbers were up earlier on, but he's only hitting 151 right now at the plate. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Five dingers. And he's a Yikes. negative four war, which is kind of – Kind of crazy because usually his D war makes him usually at least in the positives. But, but hey, I'm sure he's made a couple of diving catches that you can put <laughs> on Twitter, so that makes it all worthwhile, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I didn't hate Bradley, but I didn't. I I thought he was just too too hyped, overrated, that type. Basically, everything you were just alluding to. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's go down the list here. Christian Vasquez, uh, very solid. Uh, four for six. So basically was two for three in game one, two for three uh, in game three, and uh, had some RBIs. Actually had a home run today. I didn't fill that column in, but uh, hit a home run late in the game. So impressive there. And also, I wasn't going to mention him, but Connor Wong. Well, I guess we can tie this in with Evaldi now, but Evaldi starting, and I did a live stream right before we went on the game, and I'm like, you know, the keys to victory for Evaldi, you know, he's got to avoid that one inning where he gives up four runs and makes 40 pitches. And one of the obstacles to that was going to be Connor Wong catching him. So um, so that was kind of impressive. He did get a hit in the game, so... Uh, I forget who was that. That was against uh, Montgomery, actually. So, so they customarily, you know, take that ball and set it aside for him. So, kind of a cool moment for him. But let's uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, some of the better pitching performances. So, Avoldi was seven and two thirds, gave up seven hits, which is par for the course for him because he does attack the zone. Uh, just one earned run, which happened uh, late, and uh, walked nobody. Typically, he either doesn't walk anybody or just gives up one walk, struck out six. Big game pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he's he's been one of you guys this year, right? Like, he's he's been solid. He's been healthy. And we always say this about Ivaldi. It's like, if he's healthy... And he's, you know, not he's he's not, you know, getting caught up in his own mechanics. He's really good. He is. He's a he's a top end of the rotation kind of guy. And he's eight and four now. You know, ERA in the mid threes. That's right where you want him. He's he's been so valuable. He looked great that night. Um, you know, he was utilizing his fastball really well. He was dotting the corners. Like again, just another guy that I'm not too worried about going forward. Because I'm sorry, like with everything that's going on, you do have to look at each pitcher and go, okay, do I have to worry about you? Like, are you going to be okay? Because because I feel like Garrett Richards is ready to go into witness protection. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Nathan Avaldi, don't have to worry about him. I think that he's going to be okay. He still has his stuff. And yeah, like you said, big game pitcher. You know, he, he steps up for the big moments. So he was great. It was really great to see. Absolutely. 
Uh, Garrett Whitlock was heavily used in uh, in game one. He had two innings pitched. Uh, again, we we had to lean on the bullpen quite a bit because of the Perez thing. Um, but got two strikeouts there. Came in today, which probably was the quickest turnaround of the year for him. Typically, he requires at least three to five days because this is his first season back from Tommy John. They haven't put uh, an exact innings limit on him, but they've kind of insinuated that, yeah, we're going to use him sparingly. But Four and, uh, excuse me, three and two thirds is, is a lot for him in one series and, uh, struck out two again today and ended the, uh, eighth inning against DJ LeMahieu by striking him out looking and just LeMahieu had no answers for him. So if you're striking out a guy like that, you're, you're, you're locked in. Yeah, I feel like this was Cora taking a page out of Kevin Cash's playbook because Cash called up Wander Franco right before Boston came into town. And I wonder if this is Cora being like, okay, so Tampa called up their top prospect against us. You know what? Let's use the guy that the Yankees gave to us for free (laughs) against them just to really stick it to him because Cora kind of has that edge to him. He's kind of got that attitude. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Red Sox upper management was kind of saying, you sure you want to use him twice? Like we have a plan with this kid. And Cora was like, no, let's stick it to him. Fuck (laughs) these guys. Let's, you know, like, let's, let's really give it to him. We'll we'll give him a week off after this series, but let's use him twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll give him extra time, but yeah, let's really stick it to the Yankees who are about to sweep. Yeah. So that was uh, nice to see. And the other thing, too, is Whitlock hadn't been used a lot in, in high leverage. He was either coming in when we were way behind or when we were way ahead. And given his impressive start in April, because he went, he might have gone the whole month without giving up a run. I don't remember. It was it was close to a full month if he didn't yeah. make it into May. And I just kind of got a little frustrated. I'm like, geez, he's been rolling. Why are we... Why are we wasting him in, in bad low-leverage innings? But um, n- nice to see, anyway. And he, he could be a starter next year. And I'm not I'm not convinced he doesn't make a start in the playoffs either. I know you, you guys disagree with me on that, but mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll see. If yeah. there's some funky circumstances that, that uh, call for it. But I think that about does it we'll go into the duds now uh so who do you have who's your dud for this yankee series yeah so i'll be quick on this one it it was hard to pick duds for this series because everyone kind of played well and and this guy is not going to land in the dud category uh too much but alex verdugo um he went two for 13 you know struck out a couple of times really just had no impacts offensively or defensively for that matter. Um, he was just, I don't know, you didn't really notice him, which is odd to say about Alex Verdugo because you usually notice him. He usually makes at least one play on either side, whether it be defensively or offensively, where you go, okay, yeah, that's right. There's that guy. He just was kind of invisible uh, this series. But, you know, guys at the bottom of the order picked it up. The middle of the order was great this series and at the end of the day they they got the sweep so if Verdugo is going to pick a series to kind of not show up you know this one where everyone's performing at their highest you'll take it so like I said it you know two for 13 not great but I don't expect that to be a trend I don't think that he's in a slump I think he just had an off series and I still expect Verdugo to be one of the better players on this team going forward so I had to put. I had to pick a dud. I, I picked him. It's just the way it is. You know, it's a little bit harsh, but um, I'm not worried about him. No one, no one else should be worried about him. He's going to be great. So, just an off series. Yeah, it was just uh, more, more or less, just a quiet series for him. Really, um, he's been a, a stud more, more often than not, and. Typically does have a, a key moment in a big series, but every everyone gets to take one off here and there. So he played all three games, so that was nice. I also struggled. 
I thought about going with Darwin's in, who I think might be struggling in the post-Sticky Stuff era. So we'll have to keep an, an eye on that. Excuse me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Salamora because I I feel like he came the closest to costing us a game, and he was electric in game one with that splitter. But in game two, he came in and we only needed to get one out from him. We only needed to get one out, and he walked the bases loaded. So a little bit inconsistent, but. None of the runs did come in. Ottavino bailed him out um, when when he came in. So uh, that's that's the best I can do. I mean, you can look at guys like Martinez was 2 for 11, but he hit a dinger today. Uh, Kike Hernandez, 2 for 11, but he hit a dinger today and kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. So it's really, really hard. Marwin was one for seven. Do I really want to kill Marwin at this point? Not really. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to, I did miss Xander Bogarts actually in the stud section, six for 11 drove in runs in the, in the first two games, three for three in game two and had a couple of hits today which was nice, and he's probably going to easily win the starting gig at shortstop. But in game one, Perez was had a good start to the first inning. I think it was close to a 1-2-3 inning. And Xander just kind of misplayed a, a grounder and that would have resulted in a double play. Perez would have got out of that inning around 23 pitches in the second. And not only did we not get out of the inning there because of Xander's terrible defense, we gave up three runs. And Perez had, I think, 43 pitches by the end of the second. So it changed the whole dynamic of the game. So while it's nice to see Xander hitting literally killing it at the plate the the defense it's getting to be hard to ignore and when you're hearing jerry remy who's a complete homer in the booth he's a homer and he was saying geez xander basically he's he's got to get it together he's not been great lately defensively so I don't know if that costs Perez. I mean, he's he can go sideways without the help of anyone anyway. It could have happened within an inning or two after that. But um, but Xander wasn't good there, and that led to four relievers having to come in. Whitlock uh, pitched two of those innings. So hopefully he gets it together before it becomes a bigger thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, just quickly on Salamora, like I hope that he's not one of these guys that needs to come in and have a clean inning. Um, you see a lot of relief pitchers that hate coming in, you know, with two outs or they hate coming in when they don't get like a full inning. You know, it's just it's a weird relief pitcher thing. I hope that's not it. Maybe it was just an off night for him, but you know, hopefully that's not the case. Um with Xander, yeah, that error sucked. And, and it's tough because I've been kind of banging the drum for Sander Bogarts this year because I do feel like ever since he talked about his contract that the city of Boston, for the most part, has just turned on this guy. They're like, oh, Sander Bogarts wants more money? Oh, ship him out of here. Get rid of this bum. He he wasn't even that good offensively. He's he's going to be trash when he's older. you know. And it's just like I tweeted about it, I think, Friday or Saturday. And I'm like, do you guys want good players or not? Like, the Mookie Betts thing, I agreed with the city of Boston because I don't think Mookie wanted to be here. I think Xander Bogarts wants to be here. I think if it was up to Xander, he'd be a Red Sox for life. I just think he signed his contract too early, and he's looking at the shortstop market exploding, and he wants a little more money. And, you know, he kind of teased at that. But the guy still – he plays hard. He plays hard every single game. And, yeah, he's not a wizard defensively, okay? He's not – I don't think Xander Bogars is going to win a gold glove anytime soon, but he's so good at the plate and he's so good everywhere else that it's like, I don't know. The error sucked. Don't get me wrong. That was, that was really tough. It, you're right. It kind of changed the course of that game for a little bit, but for the most part, 
Like, do you guys really want to see a Red Sox team without Sander Bogarts playing shortstop? Like, are we really, are we getting to that point? Like, what are you guys going to do if Rafael Devers says he wants a lot of money? You want him out of here too? Like, how many players are we going to ship out of town? So I just, I don't know. The Bogarts thing kind of crawls up my tailpipe a little bit because, you know, I, I think he wants to be here. I think he's a good player. Is the defense not where it should be? Of course. Yeah, the defense could absolutely be better. But you know what? Sometimes great players, they don't need to be great defenders. Derek Jeter is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that guy sucked in the field. I don't care what anyone says. Sorry, Yankee fans, but he was below average as a shortstop. So, you know, maybe that's just the case. It is it is what it is. I'll still take his bat in the middle of the lineup for sure. I still wouldn't give him an eight-year deal, though, if that's what they're calling for. Uh, yeah. That would take him through his age 37 season. I think he's going to be a guy who's limited to probably 100 to 120 games at some points during his 30s. Um, And, I mean, next season, it's crazy, but the whole universe revolves around JD's opt-out. Yeah. It's... If that happens, and and for the record, I'm rooting for it. I, I I like JD Martinez, but I hope this is his last season because you got so many options. If if he does opt out, then Xander can go to third. And I think at this point in his career, I think he would suck it up and be the best third baseman that he could be. Um, and then from there, if, if you want Devers at first for a little while, or if you want to DH him, that's fine. So that, that's part of the reason why I'm good with at least a six year deal with Xander, but I just feel like, look at all those deals. The Lindor, Lindor is finally waking up right now. He's had a good couple of weeks, but that deal hasn't looked good. Mookie's not looking good. I just don't want to. I just hope we don't get too invested in him. Before Xander made those comments, there was no doubt in my mind we were going to keep him somehow, some way. But then he yeah. comes out like with those comments, like I I wasn't as good a couple of years ago as I am now, and I see all these guys getting paid. I'm like, oh no, that's gonna... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's see. There's not really that, – that about covers it as far as uh, dishonorables go. I, I already talked about Darwin's in, but we're pitching so well. There's so many guys we can call in. We're not going to need to really lean on, on Darwin's in for now. And, you know, I just it just hit me. Josh Taylor didn't come in at all. This series, no, he didn't pitch at all this weekend. Yeah. yeah, he was warming up at some point uh, in game one or two. I remember that, but they didn't end up going to him. So, so he'll be rested if they need him the next couple of games. Yeah, but all right, we're kind of flying right through this episode, mm-hmm. but there's only two of us, so I guess that's uh, that's how it how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go ahead and just get into the series, which admittedly I have not even looked at. It's against the uh, Royals. I'm pretty sure Garrett Richards. Uh, I just pulled up the Reds, not the Red Sox. <laughs> just whiffed. All right, let's try it again. So it's either Richards or Pavetta in game one. And it should is, be Richards. It is Garrett Richards. And he's yeah. pitching against Danny Duffy. Um, oh, okay. Duffy got off to a killer start. He's four and three with a one eight one ERA. So he had elbow issues. And I thought he was basically headed for Tommy John, but, I was going to say, this is his first start back, isn't it? Is it his first start back? I was just yeah, trying I to think find it is. that out. So, yeah. Because Kansas City got off to a hot start. I mean, they were leading yeah. that division for a while. And I thought every year, one or two teams <laughs> just kind of breaks out out of their rebuild a year too early. So I'm thinking, Jesus, this where Kansas City is at? <laughs> Are they just going to be competitive? Yeah. But they kind of did come down to earth. 
So this is a, a very dicey matchup uh, all of a sudden because he's up against a guy who can't pitch without his sticky stuff. Gosh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have zero confidence in Garrett Richards, who literally every time I hear this guy talk, he sounds like a broken man. He just sounds defeated. He sounds like his career is over, quite frankly. Like, part of me thinks that, like, he's hoping for the Red Sox to just DFA him or release him just so that he can retire right afterwards. Um, it, this guy sounds like he doesn't know what to do anymore. Like, he, he said, he's like, oh, I got to learn, you know, what is it? I think it was uh, Rob Bradford who asked him. He's like, do you feel like you have to change the way you pitch this season? And Richards responded by saying, I feel like I have to change the way I've been pitching for the last nine years. That's not good. That like that shows you that he's really relying on this stuff. And oh boy, I, I just have no confidence in him. So and again, you got Danny Duffy coming off the IL. So who knows? Like maybe Duffy's not fully back yet, but I feel like this Royals lineup, they're better than we think they are. And I think they're gonna get to Garrett Richards and I'm predicting a game one loss for that one, just because just because who we got going on the mound. I also will take the Royals in game one. Game two, we have Brad Keller versus Nick Pavetta. Keller has not looked good lately, um, uh, you know, against the Red Sox or the Yankees. Uh, they tuned him up for uh, a handful of runs in his last start. Pavetta, on the other hand, has basically reverted back to form he basically threw a no hitter for the innings he did pitch uh in his last outing so which was into the seventh inning so um i'm just saying right now game two will be a win for the red sox i agree um i think brad keller is really good his first time through a lineup i think that because of his size and because of the angle he pitches at he throws a lot of people off. He reminds me a lot of um, Kyle Gibson, who pitched for the Twins. He pitches for the Rangers now. Like these tall guys who throw overhand, like they tend to throw hitters off a little bit when they first see them. But once you see them a second, third time through, you, you kind of figure it out. And I feel like the Red Sox will figure it out. Um, I'm not worried about Pavetta. He looked so good last time out. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's, he almost looked. Looks like he's trying to prove that he wasn't using any of the sticky stuff because you have to keep in mind, this is a guy who, this is his best year of his career. Like, he was a nobody in Philly, and Philly gave him up for nothing. And I feel like he was one of the guys that people, you know, talk radio, whatever, honed in on when the sticky stuff thing became a, you know, a real talking point. And I feel like he's trying to prove people wrong, which is great. That's what you want. I want a motivated pitcher going out there and, you know, pitching with some anger. So I think he's going to pitch well. I think the Red Sox will figure out Keller. I think they'll win game two. Yeah. yeah. Even if it was somebody else, Keller's just been pitching so bad. So yeah. um, I just think we're in a good spot there either way. But I'll say this about Pavetta. He is one of my favorite guys to watch. I just – yeah. <laughs> I kind of expect him to win every time now or, or pitch well enough that if he's got the run support, he's going to win. So there's less mystery now, but I just – I don't know what it is. And we have him for, I think, four more years beyond this, if I'm not mistaken. So yep. um, like what I see. Mike Miner versus Martin Perez will go in game three on Wednesday. And by the way, the first three games are seven – 10 starts at Fenway and then Thursday is a 110 start because that's uh getaway day basically before they hit the road but getting back to the minor Perez matchup Mike Miner dominated us well pitched very effectively against us in in the last series but he did get lit up for nine runs in his last outing against Texas so I'm hoping that now that we've had a recent look at him, we'll we'll put together a few more hits. Perez could just as well have a bad game as well. So this is kind of a, an interesting matchup. It's evenly matched. Either guy could implode. 
So I, I don't know which way to go in this matchup. Yeah, this is kind of a toss-up because Miner did get us good the last time, and Perez is kind of a flip of a coin right now. Like, he's either going to pitch well enough to get you to the fifth, sixth inning with a lead, or he's going to completely implode. Um, I I just think that Mike Miner's too good of a pitcher. I think he's he's been doing this long enough. He's been a good left-hander for a long time in the American League. He knows how to deal with this kind of Red Sox lineup, and he's going to figure it out. Uh, Perez, I just I don't have a ton of confidence in him whenever he goes out to the mound. I know that he wasn't that bad his last start this weekend, but I still wasn't sitting there going, "Oh, we're going to win, oh, no problem." Perez Day, yay! You know, like no, I'm not. I'm not there. I, I just I think he's a complete flip of a coin right now. So I might give the edge to Kansas City on this one. He actually did pitch five innings uh, of only one run ball two starts ago. That was against Kansas City. So, um, but they with the recent look, maybe they can turn it around. He did pitch against the Astros because we played them. Both those series were pretty close together. He pitched a gem in game one and didn't get out of the second inning in game two after they had a good look yeah. at him. So. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but he hasn't looked terrible the last couple times out. So hopefully he just kind of keeps us competitive in that one. We already said we hate game two. So if we give game (laughs) three to Kansas city, we're looking at a split, but, uh, game four getaway day is a TBD for Kansas city at the moment. I don't know if it'll be that Bubik kid yeah. uh, that we saw the first time because he ended up filling in a TBD slot. But either way, the Red Sox are trotting out Nathan Avoldi, and that's the guy you want. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I have confidence in Avaldi. If you know, if we're right and the Red Sox are down two one in the series heading into Thursday's game, I trust Avaldi to go out there and. Pitch really well, especially on a getaway day. Like, you know, and and if the Red, if the Royals are trotting out Bubik and you know they're they're kind of doing a bullpen game, I think the Red Sox will score enough runs and Evaldi will pitch well enough. So it looks like I'm headed for a series sweep. But Kansas City's been tougher than we thought this year. Like they haven't been a joke. So um, I wish the Red Sox play better against them because they should. Um, this is again, this is the kind of team that you'd like to see the Red Sox take every series that they play against them. But I'm just not sure that's at the cards. I think this team plays hard and and they, you know, they see a team like the Red Sox coming in. It's almost like they up their game a little bit because they got something to prove. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm going for the split. I say two, two. That's a pretty safe pick. I've refrained from picking, but it doesn't, hasn't seemed to matter uh, whether I do or I don't. Um, So I'm, I'll I'll say three to one, but two to two does sound pretty safe. I'll also say this: the Red Sox are ahead by half a game. Tampa has a relatively tough schedule. They've got the Nationals for two games. They got Monday's an off day for them, so then on Tuesday they start a two game set against the Nationals. That's a tough series, regardless of what their record says. I mean, they just they got a lot of talented players and can pull it together. And then they have the Blue Jays for a three-game set. And then they have the Indians for a three-game set after that. This is taking us through July 7th. And then uh, they have the Blue Jays again after that for three games. So the Rays are coming up on a, a pretty tough uh, stretch here. So... With the Red Sox facing Kansas City, I mean, win as much as you can because we're whether or not the Rays have glass now or not, it's still going to be a dogfight. I mean, maybe the Red Sox do kind of seize control of things when Sale comes back, but but for now, I'm expecting a dogfight. And if they're in a tough stretch of games, and we've got at least an easy four game set, hopefully we capitalize and take as many games as we can. Yeah. And people need to understand, like don't underestimate the Rays just because they lost Glasnow. Like 
their pitching pipeline is gross. Yeah. Um, like, forget the fact that he's called up Franco, who looks like he's going to be a monster, but they might call up Brendan McKay at some point to fill Glasnow's spot, and that guy's filthy. Is he? And if they don't call up him, yeah, if they don't call up him, it'll be McClanahan. Like, they've got so many good pitchers that they haven't even unleashed yet. So, and that's always been Tampa's calling card. It's just, well, we don't need a superstar in offense. We'll beat you with pitching, and we'll score three to four runs a game by – you know, loop singles into the outfield and our pitcher's going to make your life miserable. So uh, this, I think you're right. It's going to be a dogfight with the Rays for the rest of the way. Yeah, and that Honeywell kid has had a couple of cups of coffee and it hasn't gone good and he's coming off of Tommy John, but if they can get him right, he'll be another weapon. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was a top guy at one point. He was like their number one pitching prospect for a while until he got hurt. So yeah. if he finds it again, oof, look out. And he's actually, I think he's had four surgeries. He's just had a tough run of yeah. bad health. So, But he is pitching in their minors right now, so we'll we'll see what develops with him. But but that's about all we have. So a relatively brief episode tonight. Hot Take Tuesday will be 24 hours after this episode, so be on the lookout for that on your Tuesday morning commute. And then on Thursday night, we will be recording the show for what did take place in this Royal Series, so that'll be available on Friday morning. Everybody have a good week. It's going to be scorching hot in New England. I know Jason's a big summer guy. <laughs> oh, God. It's awful. I'm saying that facetiously. So stay in the air conditioning if you're like Jason and can't handle it. Take care.